Hello and welcome to the Midlife Crisis Man podcast. So today I'm reviewing my interview with Hayley Ingram, founder of Blocks, mother, uh, homeschooler, entrepreneur. So there was multiple things covered within this session. I just wanted to pull up a few bits of actionable advice out for people. So change was one of the big ones, uh, letting go of the past to move on. Uh, we discussed um, action required before clarity and uh, and direction could be achieved and how when she was trying to she had two things that were competing two competing interests one was holding her back and one was what she felt was leading her forward so one of the techniques we use for this in NLP is the squash technique so the squash technique allows you to blend the two competing issues together so that they form a relationship that allows you to move forward and achieve what you want to achieve um, I have described it uh, within the within the podcast, but f- please drop me a line if you'd like to know more, and I can uh, I can walk you through it. Um, what else? She, we also touched on. Um, so, so we also touched on changing states, uh, mental state, and one of the techniques for this that you can use is simple enough, is to put a pen in your mouth, because when you put a pen in your mouth and you hold it with your, you have to retract your sides of your mouth and when you retract the sides of your mouth the, the, the brain remembers the sensation of a smile and when it remembers the sensation of a smile it starts to think you're going to smile which then releases the endorphins and the chemicals that produce the effects of feeling happy so that's one technique that you could use and like, like my wife mentioned there's another technique is to they say to go into the bathroom stare at the ceiling I suppose it doesn't have to be the bathroom it could be any room in the house really uh, stare at the ceiling, force force a smile, and see if you can keep it there for 30, 30 to 60 seconds. And I think you'd be surprised at the end of it that your state has probably changed. Two good techniques that are easily utilizable in work or at home, uh, simple as just chucking a pen in your mouth, or staring at the ceiling and, and deliberately forcing a smile. So I can recommend those two. Like I just touched on about action before clarity and direction. Clarity and direction cannot be achieved with no action. If you desire clarity and you desire direction, then you have to do something. It's not going to fall out the sky and land in your lap. You know, there's not going to be some uh, some magical happening, which is, you know, I was guilty of this, thinking that my 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 purpose would fall in my lap by some divine intervention um i don't even know where that come from i think that must be from watching some sort of film or something um so yeah my my clarity and my direction in my life came from acting on what i was interested in what i was interested in was nlp Uh, i say i'm now a qualified nlp coach so for me when i got to work with somebody and then help them and see that look on their face that they had been helped was the defining moment for of clarity and direction for myself. I knew I, I, I really, really enjoyed helping somebody and to see them suddenly have a shift of perspective or uh, just a, an, like an inner knowing that something's been taken away uh, for their benefit 
was massive. And I knew that I wanted to do it more. So this is why I'm pursuing this route of um, NLP coach. For my wife, very similar. So Hayley, um, let's say we both try, we've both been the homeopathists and uh, NLP practitioners and hypnotherapists, Steve Chulove. And um, it was a, it was a, the action was going. The action was being bothered to go. We both wanted something to change. Unfortunately, things don't change unless you're ready for change. So there's some people that will go to hypnotherapists and they'll say they want to stop smoking. Or they'll, I mean, NLP can help us stop with smoking too. So you can say that you want to stop smoking. But if your husband's or your wife has sent you to go and stop, then you don't want to stop. You go because you need to go or you want to go. Unfortunately, for most people, the time they want to change is when it's too late. So like, well, from the effects of smoking, perhaps uh, from the effects of um, eating and drinking, where they're too big to run around with their kids or they, like myself, I mean, I was, I was at the point where again, I was blowing, just going up the stairs. It was that bad. You know, the, the knee pain, the back pain, it felt like constant sciatica. It was all because of the weight. Dropped the weight, pain went, job done. So yeah, so action is required for any change. Um, there is no magic pill. Um, so don't go into the sessions and certainly don't contact me if you think I'm going to give you one um, because there is no magic pill. There is there is a lot of hard work. Um, but through that hard work is where you will grow. And through that growth is where you will fly and you will succeed. Because if it was to be given in a magic pill, you wouldn't value it. If you drop the lottery tomorrow, the chances are that money would be gone within a few years. Whereas if you had to work for that money, that'd be a completely different perspective. And one thing's guaranteed is you'd look after it. You wouldn't be so willing to squander or spend it or waste it. Same thing with this. This is life-changing stuff that you can implement for the rest of your life, no matter what your age, that can help you in every aspect of your life Work, at home, uh, friendships, relationships, husbands, wives, parents, children, all these different aspects of your life. And NLP is a brilliant accompaniment to life enhancement. Okay, so we also discussed homeless people. Um, this was my vision for uh, the future, like wanting to help homeless people in Cardiff. I mean, there's lots of different things I want to do and there's lots of charities I want to support. It's just I see a massive, especially in Cardiff, there seems to be an increase in uh, homeless people on the streets. I'm not sure of the reason why that is. Um, however, I think that would be cool and it would... I think there is a, a way of helping those people to allow them to help themselves. And allowing them to help themselves will allow them to increase their self-esteem, their self-worth, um, and then they can do with their life what they want. Um, because they might be at a point where they don't feel they have choices. Or perhaps they feel they're so far down the ladder that there is no way up. So sometimes people just need a little help in hand. And I think I'd like to be part of that. So turning points... For my wife, as you said, was um, going to see the NLP uh, 
uh, practitioner, Steve, helped massively with her mindset, absolutely hugely with her mindset. Um, not that she was particularly negative, though there was a lot of fear-based uh, thoughts going on, um, which is odd because you, you know, you, you, where do your thoughts come from? So your thoughts are, your, are instigated since basically birth, you know, birth until six or seven, I think they say you're like a sponge. You know, you, you, there's no conscious self. You're, you just absorb everything, everything around you. So if there's something that you're doing that you think your children are not seeing when they're that young, they are taking it in. They take everything in. Uh, and even when they then they become conscious and they're away, they're then um, acting. All all the actions and the things that your children do generally are a reflection of something you have done or a way that you have been. Um, so for myself, an example. Um, so my relationship with my son has been on and off, uh, not on and off, but it's. My relationship with my son has been a bit strained on times. Um, I come from an old school. My father was old school, so basically he did as he said. And that was that. There was no discussion. Um, I didn't feel able to discuss um, with him uh, what I was being called out on. Uh, probably because I knew he was right. So I didn't discuss, um, but I've noticed similar behavior going on in my son. So in an effort to try and understand what's going on, the first place I had to look was myself. Because if I don't look at myself and I'm engaging with my son, I'm trying to affect my son's behavior without affecting mine. I want him I'm trying to control, and it's, I don't want to control. I want to have a authentic, um, compassionate relationship, uh, uh, honest an honest relationship with my son, where we can express our feelings calmly, if preferably, obviously, um, but so that we can discuss in a calm way how we're feeling so that it doesn't escalate, um, especially as they get bigger. You want a, your, your child or your children to be able to discuss and be emotionally intelligent. So um, I think this, uh, this, is, this is very important. I don't know if emotional intelligence is taught in school. I know we taught we shouldn't hit others and you know, shouldn't call names. And, but I wonder how many, uh, many techniques are... I do wonder how the children are taught to deal with those feelings because the feelings are real. The way that they feel is real. So when you say, oh, that's stupid, though, just ignore them, they call in new names, that's thinking with the logical mind. And when you say those things, uh, that's stupid or, you know, or, or whatever, you're basically being dismissive to their feelings. And if you're dismissive to their feelings, Therefore, they will be taken that you are dismissive of them because they will not be being recognized by you. And I'm guilty. I've done it with my son. I've done it with my daughter. And all kids react differently. Some kids are okay with it and some kids are not. So 
the way that I had to look at myself with my son was to understand that if I, I had to look to see what the problem was. And the pr problem that I could see was there were certain reactions I was getting from him that I didn't like. So when I actually looked into the reactions that I didn't like, I was looking for that behavior within myself. So if he is not listening, if he is um, not, what's the word? Not listening, if he is, with engagement or uh, focus or, so when I ask him to do something, it's generally ignored. My wife more than me. However, that is just the one of the things. There is no action upon the request. So if you ask him to do something, the, the action is supremely delayed. Um, and then you, which then turns into not listening. So I had to look at myself and I thought, well, okay, so where am I not listening? And then I realized, and my wife, well, my wife actually realized this one, was when she, when he come home from school, he'd, he'd say stuff. And because as a parent, you're always on the go and you've, you know, getting tea ready or sorting the other two out or putting the shoes away or flicking the hoover around. Because there's always something to do. It's not always it's not just not easy. It is easy. Just stop it. But it's ingrained. It's stopping those ingrained habits of not thinking. So then being able to say, okay, my son's talking, right, put that down. Focus. Pay attention. Listen. And this has paid real dividends so far. And we're only like seven days in. I mean, the first day we did it, I think he was a little bit shocked. But the next morning, he made his bed. I mean... He never made his bed. Um, so that was a bit bonkers. So it's being, being open. I mean, we had a discussion with him, being open with him and, and honest with him about what he wanted and what we wanted and concern over where things were heading if if, uh, if behavior kept up. We've tried loads of different things and we thought we tried everything. To the point where we thought, okay, well, like, we've tried everything. It can't be us. It's got to be you. But then after reflecting and looking at ourselves, we understood that there was areas of our lives that we could improve on, especially in our communication with our children. So that's the way we're approaching it at the moment. So if there's something that's irritating somebody or somebody's irritating you, ask yourself, what is it about that person that's irritating me? And where do I display that, um, where do I display that in my life and with who? And then if you can try and remove it, you'll probably find that that person no longer bothers you, which is brilliant. So, so that was a learning. So as I say, my wife's turning point, as she's mentioned, was a parents' divorce. And she got to the point where she was socially anxious to the point of not leaving the house. Um, I think she was being, she was on medication and she got to the point where she wouldn't go out. But then she also got to the point where she realized she needed to go out because it was, she'd had enough. Um, and then she actually broke it down. As we, as we most things, 
I mean, the saying about how to eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. She was taking on a massive task to be able to go from being basically housebound to being functioning in society again. So she broke it down. She went and tried to get to the shop. That was the aim of the goal, get to the shop. I don't think she had any intention to buy anything. She was just aiming for the shop. Um, and she failed a few times, but every time is a few steps further. This is consistency, you know, the, the, the relentlessness of, okay, well, I, I need to do this. I need to do this. Being consistent, keeping at it. Uh, and then being consistent and relentless, eventually you'll get there. Maybe she goes one step more a day. It's one step further than yesterday. So, yeah, and then after this, after she made that milestone of making it to the shop, she then started to become aware of her self-talk. And this is something that she's um, really taken hold of right now. Um, as of we both, um, when your monkey mind starts kicking off and starts telling you uh, all the bad things that's going to happen, she's, she tells it to just shut up, basically. Um, and quite strongly, because it's uh, an adamantness about it, like uh, it's... It's, she, she expressed it in a very forceful way. However, I think that was to do with how serious she was and she was trying to show the the monkey mind, her, her monkey mind, that she wasn't messing about. She was deadly serious. You know, shut up. Um, so, yeah, so that's one of the things she practices. So becoming aware of um, when, when you have these negative stories going on. You know what, what's going on there? Why, why, why do you always? Why do people revert to negative stories? Why can't we revert to positive stories? You know, we tend to, we tend to generally be in fear-based creatures, revert to the worst possible scenario. But back in the days when we were cavemen, this was perfectly fine because most of the time we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know if if we lifted up a rock, if a snake wasn't going to come and get us, or if we went into a dark cave, if we weren't going to get beaten by a I don't know a bear or a tiger. We didn't know. But in today's society, I mean, th there are no, it, you know, in, in general general society, that there are no bears that you have to own sleep with, you know, unless there's a choice. Um, so we're not under the danger we were once under. However, our consciousness is still has that programmed in it. At the moment, I think it's causing a lot of people a lot of stress and anxiety. Because, as I mentioned, your brain and training your brain is your responsibility and your responsibility alone. That is if, and if, mark you, you're, like, if you feel your life is not where you want it. But you need to ask yourself what you want. If you don't know what you want, go and find out. And if you can't be bothered, fine, stay as you are. So when I mentioned train your brain, the reason I say to train your brain is because your, your day is dictated by your brain. So the sleep before the day starts is the most crucial part of the day. So getting the right amount of sleep is where it all starts. And we're all up late on our iPhones and tablets and pads and sucking blue screen into our brains, which, uh, or blue light rather, which um, can then delay the onset of sleep. Um, so you're going to wake up less well slept than you would have if you hadn't been on there an hour before you decided to go to sleep. 
So you're waking up in a, in a less, less state than what you would if you was well slept. So in this less well slept state, there's a certain tiredness and lethargy that goes with it. And with the lethargy goes um, tiredness and everything else that seems to go along with it. Like, um, you know, can't be asked, can't be bothered, fed up. And then, so then this is the start of your thoughts. So your thoughts start kicking in. Oh, I can't be bothered. Oh, I can't be asked. Oh, why this? Oh, why that? You know, I ate this. I ate that. And with those thoughts, your brain being very clever then gives you feelings. And that's when the feelings come in that are associated with the thoughts of I can't be asked and I can't be bothered. That's where you start to feel low and depressed and tired and fed up and everything else. And with those feelings come the actions and how you act on the day in the world. So if you can't be asked and you're fed up and you're sucked off and all the rest of it, your actions are going to be in accordance with those feelings. So your actions then on repeat daily, especially if you're doing you know, late nights and then the feelings, then the, th sorry, then the thoughts, then the feelings, then the actions over time turn into behaviors. So these behaviors can then become ingrained. So the only way to break this or not, that's, break it's not the only way so by becoming aware is a way to stop this if you notice yourself starting to slip into negative story mode where you're catastrophizing catastrophizing uh or doom and glooming or, or anything else uh, associated with, you know, being on a negative streak. See, stop. Stop. Just stop. And then tell yourself you're telling yourself stories. Because that's exactly what you're doing. You're telling yourself how shit you feel, how crap you feel, how tired you feel, how fed up you are, and how your life is crap. And once you realize that's all a story and all the feelings you've just generated from that story are all in your head, that's when you're ready to change. If you want it, you might not want to. Some people like to be depressed. You know what I mean? And some people associate so closely with their depression or their state, and it is a state because you can't be permanently depressed. They associate so closely that they take it on as their identity. So they're the person with depression. They're the person that's always low. Even if it's a negative uh, identity, they take it on because it's part of them. They see it as part of them. And although I haven't actually dealt with and, and helped people in this extreme case of being associated with the negativity and the depression, I see lots of people associate in this way with their feelings. Although their feelings are an aspect of them, their feelings do not define them. Same as their thoughts. Their thoughts are an aspect of them. They do not define them. However, your thoughts 
have the greatest impact on your life. If you could tell yourself, instead of going into a situation and telling yourself all the worst things that could happen, because you're not a caveman anymore, and telling yourself maybe the best possible thing. What is the best possible situation I could get from this right now? What is the best thing that could happen? If I picked up that lottery card on the floor and turned it over, what's the best possible thing that could happen? And the best possible thing that could happen is I win the lottery. Awesome. So, your thoughts are key to your life. It's because your thoughts dictate your feelings, your feelings dictate your actions, and your actions dictate your behaviors and your habits. So, yeah. We also touched on being lost, uh, angry, frustrated, and hopeless. This is when I asked my wife to discuss for you guys what it's like to live with a midlife crisis, man. I just wanted to give you a different look on the situation. Because, I mean, if you can resonate with this show, if you in any small way, or resonate with my message, or, you know, the, the sense of feeling lost, angry, frustrated, or hopeless, and not knowing what you feel hopeless about, I just wanted to show you what it was like to hear my wife say it was not nice to be around. That wasn't particularly easy to hear, even though I know it was true. True, um, And I was aware. That's why I sought change. I was aware that I was dragging people down. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person that lifts people up. I want to help people. I want to lift people up so that when they feel like crap, I can lift them. If they're struggling, I can help them. But see, with that goes the desire for change. If I didn't have that desire for change, I'd still be where I was. There's every likelihood I'd still be where I was, unless something big had happened to shift my mindset another way. So I think we touched on reducing the kids' tech as well. Um, this was something that we implemented into our life to try and bring a little bit more uh, adventure or experience as opposed to just living life on default. You know, you come home, you have your tea, have a shower, bath the kids, play with the kids, and then it's bed. And then you repeat. Um, so we were trying to reduce their tech uh, from their tablets and their gaming, uh, especially on like certain days now we've actually allocated time as family day. So that if you don't prioritize your time, someone else will prioritize it for you. So Sundays are generally family's day. Now, even if it's just everyone sits down for Sunday dinner, we try and go surfing. It's a bit cold at the moment. We tried that the other week. It was freezing. Um, yeah, so uh, the week before, we went for a nice long walk. Um, yeah, just, just getting out together, away from tech, just to be together, chat and talk and play and, you know, have fun and, and exercise. So that's our plan for our family. And we're going to keep implementing these little things. And the kids are becoming more and more on board. Um, I think it's just helping the kids to understand our vision of where we want to be. And even though they might not be able to completely understand it or why we want it, I hope they trust that it's for their best. And I think they do. I think they understand it's for their, 
their best possible life than we're trying to achieve this. So I hope this is a value. I hope I actioned a few uh, different actionable content bits from the piece. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, that interview with Haley. And uh, never know, guys, perhaps, perhaps it might be an idea to start your own podcast so you can have a chat with your own wives. I mean, you know, having a, a proper discussion, which isn't about, uh, I don't know, work or whatever. Because this doesn't feel like work. When we discuss this type of stuff, it doesn't feel like mundane and boring. This excites us because it knows we both know that we're moving forward to where we want to be. So, yeah, so that's it all for me from today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll, uh, I'll see you soon.